and welcome to the How to Be a Grown-Up podcast for grown-ups, the show where each week we discuss an aspect of modern life that any adult should really have mastered by now, but we remain baffled by. Yep, ever had a conversation with the in-laws about tax and felt totally lost? Ever held a friend's baby and far from being cute, just thought it looked like an alien? Ever sat in a meeting at work and instead of paying attention to the very important PowerPoint presentation, you're just singing Return of the Mac in your head? Yep, well this is the podcast for you. Remember, you can get in touch at The Grown Up Pod on Twitter or Instagram. And joining us this week, very excited. Now, I'm going to introduce our guest as he is described on the internet, because this is amazing. So please welcome a uniquely enthusiastic British TV presenter, award-winning wine expert, foodie, columnist, and author. It's Ollie Smith. Hello, Ollie. Hello, hello. How exciting. (laughs) Yes. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Ollie, how are you holding up in isolation? Do you know what? I'm holding up pretty well. I'm, I've always been a glass half full kind of guy. And I guess that's because, uh, A, I really love wine and, and B, wine's my actual job. So <laughs> sitting at home, my isolation is quite similar to my normal life, which is drinking lots of lovely wine. So it's fine. I mean, I think my children are quite surprised at just how much wine I really love. You're one of the first men that we've had on the podcast. It's been a lot of women. And I think, I mean, we all know why that is. I was just we, trying Louis? to sleep with them. And none of them will, quite frankly. Well, no, that's that. That's not true. But the chicks hear the podcast and they think, they think I want a piece of this. And do you know what, Ollie? I'm a pro, so I don't, I don't do that. But it's nice to have a bit of male company on the pod. <laughs> that's very kind of you to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I mean, it's a funny old thing. You know, the th- the thing I do for a job. When, when I got into wine, I started out lifting boxes. I was a delivery boy in a store um, and I was about 16 17 before I could even drink the stuff and I was always fascinated by you know why why did people talk about it in riddles basically because it made no sense whatsoever so I was listening to the kind of people selling the wine up in the shop floor and I just didn't understand the same language and I met this retired publican down in the cellar called Eamon and he used to sit there and smoke <laughs> embassy regal cigarettes all day long and I think he had a palate like an ashtray, but he, he was just so full of lovely stories about wine. And he really conveyed to me the most simple thing of all, which is that it's not really about me. You know, the, it's actually about listening to other people's preferences and recommending them something amazing that doesn't cost a fortune, that literally tastes like liquid sunshine, fabulous fruit and a day out in a tropical market. That's, you know, you want to feel invigorated by wine. You don't want to feel baffled by it. So, yeah, I always kind of... I always took that under my wing and thought, ah, you know what, I want to make wine something that's informal, full of enthusiasm and that anybody can have a go at. So in self-isolation, this is the perfect time to get your chops around some lovely liquids. So, Ollie, what is your what's your lockdown wine then that you advise people to seek out? Joe, I'm going to level with you. It's all of them all the time, <laughs> every <laughs> single day. I love um, I just think. The, uh, in, in truth, I think this is a really good time to buy locally. So I'm, there are two ways of looking at that. Supporting your local independent wine shop, getting to know them, you know, give them a ring, tell them what your budget is, what kind of wine you usually like. Or if you're new to wine, tell them what flavours you like. You know, even if it's just, you know, I love a can of lilt or pickled onion monster munches or black forest gato <laughs> stuffed into my face and then rubbed into my back for good measure. Um, I, I just think <laughs> it's the time to really support local local businesses but in addition to that it's a really good opportunity to taste some English wine or Welsh wine as well 
local vineyards have some amazing quality and there's never been a better moment to pick the phone up, ring them and see what they've got to offer. You know, up and down the country, the quality has been rising where 10, 15 years ago, it looked pretty expensive. Now the value looks great compared to the quality. So I'd say buy local, literally local vineyard or from your local store. And if you want to get good value, Anywhere around the Mediterranean at the moment is producing some great stuff. Like Portugal is great. Spain is good. Uh, Southern France, fantastic. If you want to go off the beaten track, my hidden gem is Greece. And everybody always says to me, really? Ooh. Isn't it just for Sea? Mm. And it's like, no, there's so many good Greek wines. Yeah, get involved. Do it. They're delicious. Okay. And how much then, seeing as this isolation, and I'm going to level with you, I've had a drink pretty much every day since I've been in isolation. Uh, how much is too much? That's my girl. <laughs> oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> Having had a glass of wine with you, I don't think there's an answer to that question. Um, how much is too much? So it depends on the depends on the context. If you're having a night out, a few glasses, absolutely fine. Don't go beyond a bottle. I mean, you know, a few glasses with food. And, and I think over time, you know, that's really, you know, where wine is at. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're kind of reeling around you're not really going to enjoy the flavor of it anymore. You've forgotten what your name is. You know, that's not a great look for anyone. So I'm, I very much have two different personas. There's this one, Ollie, and then there's the post 2 a.m. Joe. It's very much that's that's my Batman and Bruce Wayne personas. I don't know. I don't know quite which is which. Um, one thing that people have done, and I don't know if it's a specifically British thing during this isolation, is I spoke to my friend the other day who said, um, I've just gone out and spent 150 quid stocking up. And I said, oh, okay, what have you got in? And he said, well, just booze, obviously. And another friend of mine invented a game called Water or Gin, where you all FaceTime each other and you've got two glasses in front of you and you have to guess from the face of the person who's drinking whether they've drunk water or gin. That's not a game. You can have some quite fun online parties, I think, can't you? You're nailing it. You're exactly right. This is the time when, you know, we can't get together down the pub we can't get together for a glass, but we can do it online. And I found a great thing the other day from a brewery in London. I called Pub in a Box. And you basically get a load of beers there. Wow. Some pubs. Uh, you get these uh, beer mats and loads of amazing questions and a quiz. And the beers are great too. It would help if I could remember the name of the brewery, wouldn't it? I would be able to quite rightly give them a name change. <laughs> One of the things I don't, uh, that I struggle with learning to be a grown up, Ollie, is. Yeah this idea of hosting dinner parties and that I'm, I'm just not grown up enough. I just rather would go to the pub. You know where you are at the pub, you can get a pint and everything's taken care of. But if I'm hosting a dinner party and like me, I'm uh, a child masquerading as an adult, what on earth would I do in terms of serving wine? I love it. So I think you'd basically treat it as you would the pub because I too adore the pub. And I think, you know, some of my favourite mm. moments in life socially just you know that lovely relaxed state you get into but also in tasting a really good beer or a really good cider down the pub very hard to beat so if you think about like some of the combinations like for example pork scratchings amazing with cider so just take that and move it to a dinner party setting now you don't need to spend a fortune on the wine uh, so let's say you're going to serve like uh, something easy like like a roast lamb or lamb chops, something you can easily kind of deliver or lamb burgers even, or just beef burgers, anything that's got red meat in it that's simple. What you need is just a really good slick red wine and basically for good value and for an all-rounder, there's a great variety in Chile called Carmenere 
and it is just so full of flavour. It's fantastic with a wide range of foods and it doesn't cost the earth. And if you want to go a bit further and spend a bit more, if it's like, a you know, you want to impress people, the area in Spain you should be looking at is Rioja. And what I find with Rioja, every time I pour a red Rioja in this country, we Brits absolutely love it. It's kind of this mellow, easy drinking, gently spiced red that goes with a whole load of good stuff. So you could serve it with anything from like a pizza to a burger to a proper roast. But I think if you make it about the wine and the food, keep it informal. You know, don't worry about kind of any ceremony with serving the wine or getting it in fancy glasses. You know, if you've been to a French bistro, a lot of them just use beakers. It, it all depends on the kind of level of the wine. If it's just everyday fun, just treat it like you would a really good pint and enjoy the moment because wine is exactly like a beer down the pub. It is about making connections and relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> um, just out of interest, what is your cocktail of choice if you had to have one? Do you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight for the Campari and anything with Campari in it. it it's one of those drinks that Ooh. when I was growing up, uh, I was born in the 70s. It was big in the 80s. Um, and then kind of when I was, you know, coming into my own in the world of booze in the 90s, people really frowned on the stuff. But I just thought I, I just thought it was extraordinarily lurid. It tastes like kind of bitter blood oranges and you can have it with anything. You can have it with orange juice, with soda. It's great in a Negroni. Um, it's one of those kind of things that winter or summer, I just love it all year round. And I love the fact that it comes in and out of fashion. And I really don't care. I just like the taste. It's gorgeous. And I'll tell you something else. If you pour yourself late at night, if you're looking for that moment where you want your second wind in your kitchen disco, if you pour yourself Campari over ice with a wedge of orange topped up with orange juice, you will be disco dancing from that point until a year has gone by and you just think it's the next day. <laughs> Campari makes does make me think of that moment at 3am where they go, look, we've run out of booze, but we've got a bit of Campari, a bit of Tia Maria. Sadly, we don't have any glasses left, so you're going to have to have it out of the dog pole. Is that all right? You say, yeah, go on then. <laughs> that is always the moment of great regret. There is, a, I don't know why it is, but whenever it's that moment after the party, there's always some bright spark that always suggests drinking the really strong stuff like the spirits or the port. And that's why everybody wakes up feeling terrible the next day. Up until that point, yeah. everything's been going yeah. phenomenally yeah. well. It's always that little tip over the edge where I think yeah. if you're kind of learning to drink like a grown up, that's the moment where you go, do you know what? I'm going to pace myself. That's the way to do it. Yeah, you just never do. If you're at the point, though, where you're going to say yes to it, you're at the point of no return anyway. So... Just say yes. That's the advice of this podcast. I mean, it's, 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 it's an interesting one because you're basically in the room of dreams, but then suddenly it turns into the room of shadows and you don't know where you are. And that's, yes. Yeah. yeah, I just always stay in the room of dreams. That's my preferred location of drinking. I think that is the best advice we've had so far on this podcast. What mistakes or what mistakes have you made? Uh, when you've had a bit too much to drink. So, for example, I was reminiscing with someone the other day about when I was trying to uh, impress a group of girls. So this will show you how old I am, actually. This was about 15 years ago. I was trying to impress a group of girls and a bus went past and it was one of those ones uh, with an open back and the conductor on. So trying to impress the aforementioned ladies, I jumped on it in a sort of Mary Poppins, um, Dick Van Dyke style and hung off the, uh, the pole. But then the bus sped up and I tumbled no. off the back of the bus and sort of did several several rolls down the high street in Fulham Broadway, only sort of resurfacing as I rolled uh, and sort of faced upwards and saw these women come into view. And let me tell you, Ollie, they were not impressed. <laughs> there was no polite ripple of applause, nothing like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, look, we've all we've all done things that we wish we hadn't. Of course, we have. Um, but I think probably my most memorable time when things went a bit strange was uh, with my brother. And my brother is a screenwriter, and he writes like comedies, and and uh, he's always been kind of kind of someone who's uh, he's 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 a bright bloke, but he doesn't drink that much. And I remember once we were at a, a party uh, at the BBC. And it was a rap party for a show that he'd been working on. And I remember seeing just at the corner of my eye across the room, there were some helium balloons that kept being yanked to the ground. And then somebody was just watching them rise and then yanking them back to the ground. And I thought, oh, no, <laughs> my brother's had a beer. And I went over and, he, yeah, sure enough, he's got one beer in his hand. And I'm like, have you drunk a beer? He's like, yes, I love beer. I love balloons. And I thought, oh, no, no, no. This is oh, what no. <laughs> And I had to kind of escort him from the party. And it's very unlike him, but he tried to climb into a fountain and that didn't go so well. And then we walked across London and ended up watching the dawn on the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral because he quite wanted to. And this is after one beer. I just think all the wow. fun, enjoyment of booze seemed to go to me and my dear brother. I mean, you know, every now and again at Christmas. But other than that, I think you should steer clear of the stuff. Uh, by the Mind you, though, watching the dawn rise on the steps of St Paul's Cathedral sounds quite nice. Well, wine and, and food and, and I suppose taste in general is uh, is very evocative, isn't it? It's like uh, it's like Proust's Madeleine. It's kind of the the wine or whatever you're drinking. Oh, a g and Yeah, just a little bit Marcel Proust. Why not? Sometimes a and t or a certain oh, beer or whatever or a certain meal will remind you of the place and the time that you first had it. So it can be so incredibly evocative not just the place it comes from but the time that you experienced it yourself you're totally on it there i couldn't agree more it is exactly that and not only that it's very evocative in the sense that it reminds you of places and and, and things you've and of moments you've shared but it's also the, the liquid the stuff in the bottle physically you know is basically time traveling so i'm really lucky i've tasted some really old stuff i remember i was drinking a brandy it was a cognac and it was from 1805 and that is such wow. a long time ago when you really think about it. It was when the Battle of Trafalgar was being fought and Lord mm -hmm. Nelson got shot. It was before the Battle of Waterloo. It was before even I was born. And I look on that <laughs> drawing and I think, how did it survive all those years in the barrel? How did it kind of live? And it was amazing that it was, A, it was really drinkable and it was delicious as well. It was it tasted youthful, I won't lie. It was like somebody had just carved some fresh pineapple, rolled it around in some gingery spice, you know, cast some hazelnuts in there and said, look, that is my new drink. And I thought, I can't believe that it is that intriguing and that delicious. So, yeah, the people in the places, but also the kind of where it came from. Blows my mind when you think that that particular drink was the total sum of some grapes and some sunshine, some rain in the year 1805. It's like, what? And actually, you know, you can look online. There's wines like from islands like Madeira that basically are bulletproof and live forever. And if you're having a special occasion celebration, you know, an 18th, a 25th, or a 30th even, you know, those wines, you know, that are quite, you know, mature, don't cost a fortune. They're really good value. Share them with your mates. They're phenomenal. I actually made a series of kind of short films um, about wine. And one of the places that we went to was the, the Crown Wine Cellars in Hong Kong, which if anybody's ever been or isn't aware of it, if you go to Hong Kong, it's absolutely extraordinary. So it was previously a, uh, a military bunker. So when the Japanese invaded China during the Second World War, it's where the Chinese army were holed up. And in the bunker in the wine cellar, 
they've got um, shells that were fired by the Japanese army and hit the bunker and didn't explode. They've now got it in the wine cellar. But they've also got um, a 3,000-year-old bottle of wine from an Egyptian tomb, which is from a cask, and it's never been opened. But it's been kind of x-rayed and uh, put under scientific scrutiny. And the wine is still in there. And that, to me, is just extraordinary wow. because it suddenly it builds this bridge back 30 centuries where you think, yeah, there was people making wine and thinking, oh, I can't wait to drink that. That's going to be nice. And it essentially just tells you yeah. that, that human beings have essentially been the same for thousands of years. It's, I just thought it was it yeah. was mind blowing. It is mind blowing. I love that story. I really want to visit that cellar now. But I, I, I think you're you're onto something there because it is something that is deep in our DNA, that desire to to become more friendly with each other, to relax, to allow conversation to flow. You know, there's been so many works of art that have been inspired by it over the years. But also you, you'll know yourself, you know, you'll have had a few nights in your life when you'll have met somebody and it meant something to you and you, you just took the relationship to another place. It just sort of enriched. And, oh, and yes. The moment. Um, <laughs> And I don't know what you're thinking, but but you do have those strong connections. And, you know, I've, I've, made, I've made great friends with people over the years through, you know, enjoying a few glasses. And, you know, one of my favourite things I ever filmed was actually in an Egyptian tomb. I was doing a, a show on wow. beer with Don wow. John. And, we were, yeah, we were, filming, we were filming these hieroglyphs with this lovely old Egyptologist. She wouldn't mind me saying she's old, because she was, I think, nearly 90. But she was a beautiful <laughs> human being. And she kept... She kept kind of referring to how this tomb had only ever been opened once before. And I, I, I suddenly was like, well, hang on. If it's only been opened once before, how do you know so much about it? And she said, because I discovered it when I was a teenager, pretty much. And then out came wow. a photograph. And she was a kid, basically, out in Egypt, discovered this tomb where on the hieroglyphs they were showing how they used to ferment beer to feed and, and, and give liquid to people who were actually building the pyramids. So there's so many extraordinary layers to that moment. And then I'll never forget it because as I was walking out, we'd just done a little piece to camera. I kicked something on the ground and looked down and I was like, oh, no. And you bear in mind, we're just lit, lit up here with our phones or just our camera phones. And I looked down. I'm like, oh, Dom, um, I found a head and there was a severed <laughs> head of a mummy. And it's the kind of thing you're going to remember. I remember just thinking, oh, I'm not breathing in dust. I'm breathing in people. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. Um, but no, really, all of those historical links that bring the, the idea that people have been fermenting stuff and doing this for thousands of years. And it's just Ooh. so built into what we do. And the animal kingdom as well. Apparently, elephants love the stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they do. And bees get drunk as well. Yes. <laughs> I've always loved the bees. I'm a bit of a beekeeper myself. I've, I've, I now know the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> Your spirit animal, definitely. Um, now, Ollie, going back to sort of isolation and talking about, you know, you've got your beekeeping, you've got your dog as well um, with you. You're also making some a self-isolation diary, aren't you? You're on day six at the minute, am I right? Yeah, I think we're on day six or seven. Uh, yeah, it's quite a, quite a strange thing to be doing. Uh, my, one of my kids was sent home from school before uh, the big lockdown with a bit of a cough. So we went straight into self-isolation, all four of us. And the there's a website called Mail Plus, which is run by the, the Mail on Sunday. They got in touch and said, because um, I write a column for them, will you do a daily diary? So I was delighted to do it. But of course, what can you do? So I suddenly thought, hang on, I'm just going to do literally what I'm doing. 
So I've covered everything from home quizzes to little tastings online to I did one today on uh, I think it was James Bond I did today, which is Bond and Bollinger. That's a I mean, that was great fun. But, you know, I've been talking about all the things I really love, whether it's painting, TV shows, podcasts. I've done one on podcasts. Otherwise, I would massively have recommended this one. I'm now going to recommend this one on my next uh, Mel Plus video. But it's great to do. And the, the response that we're getting from people, and it's not just in Britain. Of course, you know, the, the Mail's website goes all around the world and it's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. So suddenly people are seeing it and there are eyeballs all over the world just looking into my funny little uh, corner of Sussex with my hairy little dog, Busby. And me watering on about what I'm doing when I'm alone. <laughs> it's good fun. Louise, you're getting a dog, aren't you? Dexter, I'm very excited to hear this. Oh, I am. It was the most irresponsible thing I've done for quite a while, actually. Um, especially seeing well, as we true. were. <laughs> Especially seeing as we were going into lockdown. Um, but yes, I have a little cockapoo puppy joining the family in just under two weeks uh, called Dexter. And I'm super excited. Thank you very much. And I have been, uh, when I'm not podcasting or doing anything else, I'm watching puppy videos, how to train them. We've got a book called oh. Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy. And I'm just following everyone on Instagram <laughs> to see how to look after a dog. Yeah, I mean, it's the greatest. I mean, I've had two dogs and my last dog, he was a, got to a ripe old age. He's a wonderful companion. My new dog, Busby, he's nearly two. Uh, but the mm. relationship you build with them is just beyond anything I can ever really describe. Yep. Obviously, I'm a dad. I've got two lovely daughters. I love them to pieces. But there's a weird kind of, with a dog, I don't know what it is. And, and any, every dog owner will tell you the same thing. There's just that, it's the unconditional thing, but it's also... I don't know how to describe it. It's like having a second mind. It's almost like they, they get in sync with you somehow. But it's beautiful and you'll love it. And the exercise thing's great. You meet other people. I'm a massive fan of the dog. I love the dog. And they are, they're, they're pure spirits of joy. Um, their default setting is just boundless happiness and affection. I think it is, honestly, I said this to Louise. I, I left her a voice note and said, you're about to go on the most wonderful journey because they are endlessly hilarious. Um, and just so loving yes. yeah it's amazing and I've already nominated myself to look after Dexter when Louise goes away oh mate I'll back you up on that I'll pop over but you're right about the funny thing they really <laughs> make me laugh so my dog Busby walked in the other day I'm just sitting in the living room you know reading my book he just wanders in waits until I look up from the book we're making eye contact he opens his mouth he belches nice and then he walks out brilliant and I just think <laughs> only a dog would walk into a room wait until you make eye contact burp at you and then leave and he just knew exactly what he was doing he is a disgrace and i love him i remember once sitting on the sofa and uh it was a nice bright day and suddenly the light from the kitchen window was obscured it was like the sky went dark and i was like what on earth is going on out there it felt like the apocalypse like independence day or something and i went and looked and as i got to the kitchen window i could see an arc of soil going across the kitchen window <laughs> flying probably seven or eight feet in the air and I walked out the back door and uh, I had a dog called Jack who was a wolfhound lurcher cross and he was head deep in the flower bed scratching it up as hard as he could and I just went what are you doing and he stopped and turned around and looked at me with the mud on his nose with with an expression yeah. that just seemed to say digging what do you think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, you're going to love it. And honestly, 
what's so nice is Dexter's day will be made every time he sees you. It's just a lovely feeling. Well, it'll be nice that somebody's is. Well, Louise, speaking of making people's day, I think it's probably time to hear from your parents. Oh, yes. Ollie, so what we like to do is hear from Mummy and Daddy Gookie, Nina and Peter, um, who have got some words of wisdom about various things. Um, so, yeah, we like to ask the generation above us what advice they have around our topics. Obviously, it's been alcohol. Um, so I asked my parents if they've ever done anything that they regret and what their favourite tipple is. Hi, Lou. Hi, Joe. Now, have I done anything regrettable while drunk? Now, to be honest, I can't recall anything specific and no one has been brave enough as yet to tell me that I have. As you know, Lou, I'm someone who loses their inhibitions when I've had a few too many drinks and I've become very loud and a bit of an extrovert before suddenly falling to sleep. There's been many times when I have very little recollection of the night before, but I have to say your mother does enjoy telling me of the things that I got up to. Now, as for my favourite tipple, gosh, there's so many, but if I had to choose one, then it would be a big glass of juicy Shiraz wine. There's nothing like having a nice glass of red wine while you're eating your meal. Yum. Peter rocks. He's got that down. He's, I tell you what, a nice big glass of red with a meal. You cannot go wrong. A Shiraz from Australia. It's like drinking a blackberry the size of a bowling ball. He's nailed it. <laughs> Louise, yeah. how does... How does Peter's, when Peter's had too much to drink and he becomes an extrovert, how does that manifest itself? Is it, we're talking shirt off on the kitchen table? No, 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 no. We're talking, he turns into (laughs) me at the best of times. So he's all show singing, getting the musical theatre songs out, having a bit of a dance. Really? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's where I get it from. Um, Love it. I did not expect that. Um, but he he genuinely doesn't remember the day after and he gets really embarrassed. Um, he doesn't do anything too embarrassing, uh, but he's brilliant. I love him when he's drunk. Actually, great story. Last time I did an award ceremony about a year ago, or this particular award ceremony, he came. It's his favourite night of the year. He got so drunk on the free gin. At the end of the evening, he went around and stole all the half-open gin bottles off the table to take them home with us and got into the Uber with, like, a bottle of open gin. Oh, oh, no! Needless to say, he lowered my Uber rating that night. Denzel Washington took his mum to the Oscars and Denzel's mum thought that the centrepieces at the tables at the after Oscars dinner were so nice that it'd be a shame to just let them be thrown away. So she made Oscar winner Denzel Washington take one of the centrepieces with her in their limo back to hers because she didn't want to see it go to waste. Only parents can do that. I love them. You know what? It means so much. You know, parents being proud, parents, you know, misbehaving. It's the business. Wow, that's great. It's amazing. Ollie, myself and my nan also uh, once retrieved some uh, roast beef out of a bin <laughs> because we were no. we we were at my auntie's and my auntie is sort of is, is a bit funny about sort of um, and fastidious about health and hygiene. And my nan was sort of very much oh, fuss and nonsense. Don't worry about it. So this beef was like one day out of date, this roasting joint. So they went and put it in the bin and she said, Joe, right, come with me. So she and I then walked to the door and she was like, right, you keep watch. So I had to stand at the door and keep watch to make sure my auntie didn't come. While my nan went in the wheelie bin and pulled out the joint of roast beef that was all wrapped in plastic and carrier bags and stuff. She went, there you go, good as new, and put it in the back of her car. 
Amazing. What was it like? It was lovely. We had it, we had it a couple of days later. It was delicious. We were all terribly ill afterwards, but it was lovely. <laughs> My nan, I remember once we used to go on canal boat holidays when I was maybe seven or eight years old. And my nan and great aunt had been drinking uh, sherry since about 11 o'clock in the morning. And my nan was very short anyway. So Mm. she had to stand on a little box to see over the top of the canal boat in order to be able to steer. And when you have a canal boat holiday, there are these things called winding holes, which are slightly wider sections of the canal Mm. where you're able to turn around. And by three in the afternoon, they'd both drunk so much sherry that they got stuck in the middle of the winding hole. And me as an eight-year-old had to go and stand on the little box and steer the vessel out of trouble because I was the only sober one on the boat. Oh, my word. Shocking. Oh, Absolutely shocking. Fabulous. You see this stuff uh, on the shelves in the in the shops, or at least, you know, under normal circumstances, you would, um, called mm-hmm. Fino. Uh, and it's a type of sherry that's yeah. light and bright. Serve it chilled. It's a fantastic drink on its own. Good value for money. You can pick up a big bottle for just under a tenner uh, and, and far less than that if it's supermarket own label. But if you want a, another really good kind of party drink, fill up uh, a jug with a load of ice and a bit of you know wedges of citrus fruits, maybe chuck in a bit of fresh mint if you're feeling fancy. Fill it with a third of Fino Sherry, then top the rest up with like lemonade, Sprite, 7-Up. It's called a Rebujito and it's what they drink in southern Ooh. Spain during Easter time at the ferry in Jerez. And it is one of the most delicious, amazing drinks. It's kind of got this salty richness that goes amazingly with the lemonade. And again, it's one of those drinks that really gets you going, doesn't get you too over the top. And it can get something you can kind of keep on with. And it's a really fun way of making an easy cocktail to last all night. That's great. All right. Shall we then hear from Nina Gookie as well? I have regretted the same thing twice um, once I was drunk first one being on my hen night when I got home collapsed because of drinking so much and um, my brothers had to be called downstairs because they had already gone to bed to carry me up to my own bedroom and then the second one similar thing but this time it was dad and a friend who had to um, take me upstairs to bed I once when I was actually going out with this girl so we'd been on several dates and she had way, way too much to drink. Um, and we, we were in an Uber and she was so drunk and she passed out on the way home. This was only about nine o'clock because she'd got so drunk between about 7.30 and 8.30. And when we got back, she was passed out and I had to enlist the help of the Uber driver to carry her down the garden path <gasps> and then into her flat. And I slept on the sofa. So she woke up the next morning and was like, what the hell happened what did we do where did we go I was like well we just met at the pub and then we got an uber home and then me and the nice uber driver carried you in and put you to bed it, it does happen wow wow yeah I think this is this is the kind of I think this is the lesson this is the parable it's like we don't want to get to that stage we want to we want to kind of you know pull back pull back before then it's that knowing you, yeah. you know you're a few drinks away from that moment don't go, stay in the room of dreams. I keep saying yeah. this, stay in the room of dreams. Stay out of the room of shadows. <laughs> I can honestly say, though, in my mum's entire life, they will be the only two times that she has reached that point. She's a very sensible lady. She sounded utterly adorable, it has to be said. She sounded a real sweetheart. Louise, yes. you think you've swerved it, but both myself and Ollie shared embarrassing experiences. <laughs> what moments jump out at you as moments of regret? Um. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I do. What I do do, and I wish I didn't, was 
when I reach a point, I've had a drink or two, and I decide that that's it. It's the point of no return that we've been speaking about. And yeah. if I'm on a night out with people, and it's about 2am in the morning, I literally go, oh, I'm done now. And I'll put my drink down and I will just leave. I won't say goodbye to anyone. Excellent. That's called an Irish goodbye. Um, I don't know why it's called an Irish goodbye. I don't know if Irish people specifically do that, but it's that's known as an Irish goodbye. Yeah, I, that is one thing I really wish I didn't do because I do it all the time. And my friends then start panicking uh, that they've lost me, which is very sweet of them. And I've just gone home. That is the surefire ripcord way of just not going the uh, the disaster route. Um, do yeah. my friends walk out on a night out? There's one or two that do actually. Yeah, that yeah. just kind of drift away. And, and at the time, it just seems perfectly normal. But next day, you're like, are they okay? And of course, yeah. nine times out of ten. <laughs> nine times out of ten. Ollie, this show is all about helping people learn how to be a grown up. I think the advice I would take away from today is uh, recreate the pub at home and keep it informal yes. and stock up on Thino Sherry. Those are the, my takeaways from today. I'm with you. I think all of those things are brilliant. I would buy local and I would look online, you know, to find out who your local vineyards are as well. Give them a call, see if they've got any stuff and you could taste it, do a comparative tasting, get your friends involved, do it on the internet, you know, FaceTime and all that, Skype and whatnot. It's brilliant. Yeah, get involved. Have a rummage. <laughs> Louise, what have you learned? To stay in the room of dreams. <laughs> and get a dog. And get a dog. <laughs> I'm so so yeah, get a dog, get a dog. The advice to everybody at some stage in their life, at least have a relationship with a dog. If you can't actually get a dog, go and walk someone else. Yeah, obviously, obviously ask permission um, yeah. before you do that. Um, yeah, get involved with the dogs. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, don't listen to any of our listeners who are finding isolation particularly hard. Don't take the words, get into a relationship with a dog as a green light to transcend normal behaviour. That's all I'm saying, okay? And, and on that note... <laughs> Ollie, listen, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Oh, I love you guys. Thank you for having me. It's been really great. And if anyone's got any questions, you can find me online. I'm out there. I'm floating around. It's, it's been a pleasure. How do we find you online? I'm, oh, I'm in all the usual places. I mainly hang out on Instagram. Ollie Smith is my uh, name there, O-L-L-Y. I am on Twitter, but I rarely kind of go there. I think there's a Facebook thing. There's a website. There's podcasts. Oh, yeah, my, I've got a podcast. Have a look at that. A glass with. Uh, yeah, just it'd be nice to connect with people. So feel free to say hi. And the mailplus.co.uk has got all my self-isolation diaries as well. Go and hang out with Ollie. Um, I've been hanging out with him for 45 minutes. And honestly, best 45 is, minutes of the day. It made me so happy no, um, thank you very much Ollie <laughs> if you want to get in touch as well Louise how do people do it at the grown up podcast on Instagram or Twitter right see you later <laughs>